ready for some science then? I am. I am. Let's go for it. All right, this week we're going to first up look at some stuff that's happening this week in science. We're going to cover off uh, a little bit of science around taking a leak. Uh, then we're that's gonna... not actually just stealing vegetables. But oh. No, that's about like urination. Okay. I was trying to be. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Keep it classy. Yeah. Okay. But that's difficult. And then we're going to look at a new dinosaur that's been discovered called the King of Gore. Not its scientific name. It, it, was it the king of the place in New Zealand called Gore? But um, keep him coming. I guess I'm just in that mood this week. <laughs> it won't continue like this. I promise. It might. Uh, and then thirdly, we're going to look at aerosols. Something about them. I'm going to leave that one to you. I can't really make any jokes about that one. No. No, unfortunately. Maybe something about Link's deodorant. I don't know. That's pretty slack, isn't it? Trying to work that into a joke. All right. Anyway, sorry <laughs> and, about and, last... But then after that, before we uh, get oh. into this week in science, we're going to finally going to look at uh, asteroids and do a bit of a primer. Oh, asteroids. that's right. Yeah, so there's been some news and uh, there's been some asteroid news uh, out this week. So we'll have a little chat about uh, asteroids and where. what do we know about them? Where do they come from? Or as we prefer to call them, astronauts. Astronauts. It <laughs> sounds like something that needs removing. It yeah. does. Yeah. yeah, so first up this week, we're going to talk about urination. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, have, you ever, have you ever been there, Christine? Have you ever been there where you've been standing at the urinal and going for a wee and suddenly, or not so suddenly, you start to get splashes coming back? Well, I have been thinking of investing in a shiwi. Are you familiar with what a shiwi is? I am familiar with a shiwi. It's like so that ladies can pee like men can. Yeah, I've often found them quite remarkable, actually. Um, yeah, because they're, they're sort of uh, marketed as sort of out, you know, if you go into the outdoors and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't want to wee everywhere. Yeah. You can use a, a shiwi. It's a bit more convenient. Yeah, well... Um, Would this apply in that situation, or is that kind of moderated? So that It won't a... really apply. I don't think the flow's as strong. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But one of the issues that gentlemen often have when they go to the bathroom mm. is that when they're standing at the urinal and they go for a wee, the droplets of the wee yep. that hit the back of the urinal yep. can often get bounced back at them and so go on their oh, clothes. Really? Yes. That's disgusting. Did you not know? No. Right. Why would I know that? Wow. Okay, so obviously this is a... <laughs> we're educating already today. All right, well, I'm going to keep a close eye on uh, I guess I, I shouldn't say often, right? I mean, it's not often. What kind of rate are we talking? Well, it depends on the urinal. Now, so the guys out there will know this well, and we'll talk about this in a little moment, but the designs of urinals have a really important fa- you know, ramification on right. whether these droplets are going to get bounced back. Really? Yeah. So, okay. you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty, um, you might think this is kind of crazy and this is kind of crazy science, but actually it's kind of important because, uh, you know, toilets are generally supposed to be quite clean, nice places. And if you're, uh, well, not necessarily nice, but clean places at least. Have a picnic there. I mean, hopefully, hopefully nice. And hopefully it's not a horrible experience, but, you know, um, they're supposed to be quite clean. And so toilets can often be areas of uh, bacteria transmission um, as long as if they're not being kept clean, very clean. Yeah. And if um, you have sort of mixing of things going on, which mixing is... Mixing of things. Mixing of things. So if you're peeing into a urinal and the urinal is a little bit clean, but it's not super clean, then you're going to get splashback, then you're going to get transmission of uh, bacteria. Right. Okay. So we're talking... So this is, sounds like toilet science. Well, it is toilet science. Yeah. But, um, so the problem there is an important part is of it urine splashback urine splashback okay. yeah 
Well, it was what, what we just call splashback in, in, in male circles, I guess. Good. But it's important, you know. I mean, it's, it's, and, it, and it is, because like, it's quite, quite an interesting thing that, you know, you, you think about as a bloke for a, a good long while, and you try and minimise the amount of splashback. And we'll get into that in a minute. Anyway, where this is going is there's been a, a couple of uh, scientists in uh, the States, in uh, Birmingham State University, I think, or Bingham State University, and um, they basically looked Brigham at... Brigham Young University. Brigham Young oh, University. Really? Nearly. Um, they looked at the flow uh, dynamics of uh, water. And so they made their own sort of like sort of mock-up of what might go on in a urinal. So they're the only the flow characteristics. Now, one of the reasons why you do get splashy things going on yeah. with any water is because it's not laminar flow. It turns into droplets. It's not what flow? It's not laminate. It's not a, it's not a steady flow. So right. when you turn the tap on, yeah. you know at the beginning of the tap when it's coming out, yeah. it's all in a very sort of steady flow. Yeah. So it's all very straight and aligned and all the water is coming down quite regularly. Yes. Now, as the this, this flow comes down, you've got little air currents and little, little changes mm -hmm. in the temperature around it. Um, and what that does serves to do is amplify little changes in the flow. And as the changes amplify, eventually you get uh, what's called um, a, a Raleigh instability, which basically what, what that tries to do is minimize the surface uh, tension. Uh, right. of the water so minimizing the surface area so by minimizing the surface area turning into spheres which are droplets as we know them as droplets droplets yes. so basically all that all that was for just to say it goes in a nice steady stream yeah. and then it turns into droplets yeah and urine does this as well. and urine does this as well exactly so about five to uh six centimeters away from the urethra franklin yep hopefully <laughs> i don't get that Sorry, I mean uh, Aretha. That is terrible. I don't know what's wrong with me today. <laughs> I'm just going to carry on and keep on going. Anyway. Okay, um, so anyway. Anyway, can so... I, can I yes. suggest something? Sorry, yes. Surely the problem is solved by being closer to the urinal. Yeah, that's right. So that is one of the problems. Uh, that's, that is one of the solutions. Okay. So you can get closer. Um... But of course, if you get closer, there's... You're also closer to splashing. You're back. also closer to the splashing coming back. It is, yeah. So you can get closer and they get the lambda flow. Now, I, what I use is... What are the method that I use quite regularly... I'm so glad that we're talking about this. ...is, is the angle. So, you know, when you, you're at the, your standard urinal, like, there's not a flashy one. You keep saying you know when, and yeah, I do okay, not know. Yeah, okay, no, okay. Uh, so there's, there's like, your, your, your standard white ones, which are sort of very... Um, are they little bowls? Bowl, bowly yeah. circular things. Yeah. Now, with the bowly circular things, if you get the angle low, so you get a very small angle, so you try and pee at the same angle that the circle of the, yeah. the urinal yeah. is doing, then you're not going to get as much splashback because the water's going to uh, follow that path. Okay. And so it's not going to bounce straight back at you. But some of the more modern urinals where you've got like very harsh uh, surfaces, like stainless steel, big stainless steel things, very you know, very bad, yeah. you know, because it's very difficult to get in there. Anyway, okay. so one of the other uh, ways of uh, defeating this, of course, is to sit down. Yeah, but right, that seems like the obvious solution. What is the stigma attached with sitting down? I yes, yeah, it. I guess it's a bit strange. Women do it. I guess it's making contact though. I mean, it's more contact with who. What? With the surfaces, surfaces around you in the public toilet. I mean, we all know how much. Well, women have to deal with it. Yeah, that's true, and women hate it. Do so they? that would mean that we would have to hate it too. Well, I thought they did. We'll be the great equaliser. Yeah. The science is redundant. We've found a solution. Men just use the seats or hover above it and treat it, treat it as like an opportunity to do a one of those 
sit down exercises. What do you call oh, them? Oh, a squat. A squat. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, okay, good point. But I think there's, I think things are not going to change infrastructurally for a while. Okay, so assuming Or if that, ever, assuming that things are going to be, all right. yeah. So we're going to deal with the, the infrastructure of yesterday in the form of urinals. Yeah. What is the optimal way? What does this research tell us is the optimal way? Well, I guess um, the research doesn't, I mean, the research tells us what we've always known about flow. I mean, in, in, in a certain extent, this is not really um, it's just particularly new research. It's just codifying it all down to the flow. Because, I mean, the rally instability. So if we're going to talk about the physics of this, the physics yeah. of the flow, it goes back to the like 1870s. Uh, so it's a long, long time ago. Lord Raleigh was this guy who did heaps of amazing science. Um, yeah. And so he, w he was operating around the 1870s a little bit later. Uh, he was actually one of the people who showed that um, the sky will be blue. Uh, by the scattering of light yeah. through the atmosphere, which we'll talk, we can talk about another time, but that's also a rally. Um, right. So he's this awesome scientist that's done this. So there's nothing really particularly new about that, but some, what scientists haven't really done is look at the specifics of this specific dynamic. Mm -hmm. And one of the, um, and as I say, you know, it does have this important sort of bacteria disease transmission yeah, problem. Sure. It's not just a light-hearted sort of, you know, they've called them the whiz kids, yeah. you know, these guys oh, who God. are looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, and so, there are this, there are these important points now. In partly uh, looking at sort of some of this sort of stuff, I also found there was an interesting study done on um, toilets in hospitals. You've just had a really good week. Haven't I, you? <laughs> <laughs> this is also quite recent. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Sorry for. Can I just one question? Yeah. How did you like go down this rabbit hole on the internet of urine and toilets and research? Like, did you just wake up one morning and start googling toilet science? Well, no. So, so the so the these whiz kids have been in the, in the news recently. So right. that it comes up on a lot of blogs and features okay. and stuff. And, and that spurred you on to... Yeah, it spurred me on to deeper... Uh, toilet science. Toilet science articles looking. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Um, Thanks, kids. Well, I'm, and I'm also generally, I'm generally sort of quite interested in taboos and things, but basically what taboos in, um, in science and what we do talk about and what we don't talk about. Because, I mean, it's, it's got important ramifications as this other study found out so it, this other study looked at um, toilets in American hospitals right. and looked at how far when you flush it the droplets I'll go up go up I've noticed that sometimes and it lands sometimes back on the it's seat. awful yeah, yeah like sometimes it's really bad now um, they looked at the uh, American toilets uh, American toilets had and I don't ask me why I remember this I just remembered it from the other day uh, they're about 80 psi so the pressure of the uh, pressure of the water being flushed uh -huh. okay I don't know why I remember that but there's there's basically your big droplets and there's your um, finer mist yeah. and they found that it, um, it could be a vector for now a vector is anything that spreads something else yeah. a vector for some really nasty uh, bacteria yeah. uh, gut bacteria yeah in, I wouldn't want to be in a hospital no exactly and around. one of the important things that they found out was the detergents and disinfectants some of them were using and the coatings uh, actually lowered the uh, surface tension of the water yeah. and so if you lower the surface tension of the water then the water will form bigger droplets and smaller mists and so actually exacerbate the problems right and and so there's a really some interesting flow physics in that as well, you know. And I just think that's I think it's an interesting example of, a, of some multidisciplinary stuff mm. to do something that's actually quite important that people probably don't talk about or even think about. Yeah, true. It's kind of like who wants? Yeah. I mean, in the same way, do you, I mean, do you remember the first? Uh, have you ever heard that story about uh, the first? Now I forget the guy's name, but the guy who came up with the theory of germs and said to doctors who were um, operating 
with well not not operating on surgically but um, consulting with uh, pregnant women in the 1800s and said you might want to wash your hands and they said oh don't be so ridiculous um, yeah. and partly it's because it hadn't been talked about and right. you know, um, so I just think this is quite an interesting study in what it you know yeah in what it is so the toilet study the toilet study of this is rather than the urinal study because they're still going with that but um, yeah this is all very recent stuff and you think we would know about it yeah, we'd know about true. it if it's if it's actually important stuff yeah. for uh, human health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems like a pretty, it's, it's universal as well. Like it's, everyone uses the toilet. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and, and to be in hospitals, which is one of them, needs to be one of the most sort of sanitary areas. Indeed. Anyway. Yeah. Good. Okay, so that was the first bit of this week in science. What's up next? Oh, this is the best one. What's that? <laughs> What's that? The King of Gore. Oh, the King of Gore. The new dinosaur. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there King was a. King of Gore. There's a. So we've got a certain amount of skeletons out there that tell us about uh, well, fossils, I guess, not King skeletons anymore. King of God. That tell us about dinosaurs, and um, it's really rare to have full. Do they tell us about the King of Gore. They do. Well, no, they don't. They do now. Yeah, but um, it's really um, it's really important to find these full fossils out there because they're so rare. Right. And what this one uh, this this week, uh, some paleontologists have found. A uh, the earliest known tyrannosid. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, the, so this is a this is a, a part of the ty- Tyrannosaurus Rex family, mm-hmm. and they called it the the Lytrananax, which is uh, king of Gaul, as you say. King of Gaul. And the Tyrannosaurus Rex um, is a king tyrant lizard, or king lizard tyrant, or lizard tyrant. I'm not sure what the grammatical. Uh, conventions for a greek is but um one of those ones so you know it's <laughs> they keep wanting to choose really scary names for all of the king of gore king tyrant lizards it's, <laughs> it's all very georgia uh, martin it's all very kind of um game of thrones i think well they are quite terrifying like, they are terrifying this one seems to have creepy looking teeth so how is it related to um oh yeah because i'm looking at a reconstruction of the skull of king of gore and he's got like these teeth that go outside of his yeah. jaw okay. on yeah. the top. It's hard to explain. It's terrifying. Yeah. To know that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's terrifying. So um they're basically piecing together the sort of the, the family tree of Tyrannosaurus Rex and seeing how it's evolved with time. And this is and like so that this, e- is, this is like the creepy old granddad. Not yeah, creepy, but this is like ten million years before Great, uh, great granddad then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 I believe before that you had sort of the Allosaurs. This is going way back when I was a kid and looking at this sort of stuff um, yeah. but do you have Albertosaurus and all these other things that then turned into the Tyrannosid uh, family yeah right um, and uh, one of the interesting things about this one I, I think is that they found that the uh, eyes are further and further out on this this is one of the first fossils where the eyes are moving further out on the skull the skull's wider and so the eyes are out wider and what that means is that the eyes have overlapping vision and what does overlapping vision mean? Binocular vision. Binocular vision, like humans. Yeah. So the ability to, to judge the depth. Yeah, and easier to pick up things. Your prey is. Yeah. Because what you're doing is your, your brain is constantly functioning with a parallax. Yes. Yeah. So your right eye is seeing things slightly different to your left eye. Yeah. And so depth by perception. using the parallax is the depth perception, which is the same thing that we use to judge the distance to stars. Right. Yeah. It's exactly uh-huh. the same. That's good to know. In terms of like the parallax theory. Yeah. 
Okay, so we use this parallax for the binaural. So this uh, tyrannosid was one of the first. Actually, um, that was interesting the other day. Do, do, do you know where the word Bluetooth comes from? No. That was Tyrannosaurus the, When Rex. I was thinking about Tyrannosaurus Rex and the King of Gore and things, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I was reading something else. Um, Bluetooth comes uh, from a Swedish king who brought together Sweden in around 1000 AD. Ah. So it was a, so basically it was an Intel engineer who in a um, thousand AD yeah what I'm confused so the year thousand yeah, yeah. Is that, they didn't have Intel engineers then no no <laughs> so this Intel en engineer he was tasked with bringing oh. together all these wireless standards and they were really worried ah. because all these things so would like, be things this is just like when Sweden and got he was together. reading a book about it at the time okay ah. and it's he was called King Harold Bluetooth of Sweden cool. and so he used Bluetooth and okay that's moderately interesting but I think the most interesting <laughs> thing is you know the little symbol from the Bluetooth yes it's a little Nordic rune ah. it's a little Nordic uh, symbol okay that's cool yeah which means Bluetooth which means Bluetooth King Bluetooth King Bluetooth it's, his, it's, it's actually his symbol the bringer together it's, of it's Sweden his, it's his Swedish symbol is, is, the, is the symbol for um, Bluetooth anyway I just thought that was really interesting good, good I don't know what that doesn't really doesn't have much to do with dinosaurs sorry King of Gore King of Gore <laughs> back. A King of Gore King of Bluetooth any other King things Bluetooth. that we need to talk about in relation to King of Gore? I'm uh, not sure. I think there's still a lot of things sort or of um, life coming in. I mean, it was 18 million years. Uh, this fossil's been dated around 18 million years. Two, 2.5 tons. Before King Bluetooth? So before uh, King Bluetooth and actually before T-Rex as well. Tyrannosaurus Rex. A few million years before Tyrannosaurus Rex as well. So. Man, so dinosaurs were around for ages, eh? Oh, man. Long, long time. Much longer than us. We should talk about that sometime. But yeah, I mean, they long, long time. Um, so... I believe some of the first dinosaurs um, well obviously so some of the um, earliest fossils that we have of similar periods uh, is sort of two, 200 odd million years ago so we're talking trilobites and belemites and things like this yeah um, and the the things that we think of like the megafauna so the really big life dinosaur stuff uh, was anywhere between I, I believe I mean, 100 million years and 65 million years now 65 million years was the point at which uh we had a great extinction event yep and uh usefully enough we're going to talk about that in a minute that extinction event how convenient because we're going to talk about asteroids shall we segue into that seamlessly let's do it yes we're going to talk about asteroids asteroids so there was two really interesting uh, asteroid news this week Mm -hmm. this week asteroid news this week an asteroid i don't know why sometimes asteroids just come up in the news quite regularly and wow. you know and it's kind of little spurts here and there they kind of like they come together maybe you know, asteroids an, come together maybe it's not an accident <gasps> we need bruce willis we do he's in uh, armageddon yeah yeah and so this week we had two stories one was um scientists have done <laughs> uh, a full analysis of the chelyabinsk asteroid this that we had earlier this week, uh, earlier this year. Which one was that? The one in Russia that hit uh, middle, sort of middle Russia. Yes. Um, and um, was, was caught a, on was all those. Yeah. It? Now it was caught on all of those dash cams, so all the cameras that are in the cars. Yeah. And so luckily, and they had all those bright flashing bits of light. Exactly. And one of the fascinating things about this, and I just think this is absolutely awesome. Uh, a couple of weeks afterwards, researchers got all of these dash cam footage together, yeah. got placed them all. And by looking at the angle at which this asteroid came oh. in, they were able to trace back and work out where in the solar system it had originally come from. Because all of the 
camera things, did they have a navigational? Yeah, point? yeah, yeah, pre- yeah. And so they could work out where the wow. what the point of view was, what the angle was of the incoming object. Yeah. They could work out roughly the speed. Parallax. Um, yeah, probably from some triangulation parallax methods. Yeah, you know, because dash cams are looking at it at different angles, mm. and so yeah. And so, and they, they went, uh, they went back, and they tracked it back, and tracked it back, and they found that it had come from, I think it was the Apollo set of asteroids. We'll talk about them in a second, but um, fascinating stuff. That's now, funny. the asteroid, uh, what they found out this week is they put better um, constraints, so they put better estimations on the size of the explosion. Now, the explosion they put at about um, before they had it at about four hundred and forty kilo. Uh, tons of TNT so basically before they had it at about the numbers are so huge before they had it at about 20 to 30 times the size of the Hiroshima atomic bomb right and now it's gone up to about 40 to 50 times right and so really really big to really really big big. (laughs) yeah I know exactly right it doesn't really you kind of think right okay well that's big and there's even bigger number yeah um so now the reason why you know there was obviously lots of damage from this but it's quite interesting to look at the reasons why um it wasn't more you think to yourself 20 to 30 times the size of hiroshima or 40 to 50 as it transpires transpires. what how can that possibly you know not left the entire place devastated yeah um, now how the reason it? how can it well the reason is because it actually exploded quite a long way up in the atmosphere uh-huh. right so um, it's it, it uh, exploded at about um, now let me see if I can record this I think it was about six, oh, I, shouldn't, I should probably look it up this just makes me terrified that 20, 20 odd kilometres no, yeah, I think it was about 20 kilometres up in the atmosphere oh, so not that far away no but the geomet- so you've got what's called the inverse square law oh that um, old law that old law that so old if you take um, the explosion, yeah, it's got that amount of explosive power. But imagine spreading that amount of explosive power over a bigger sphere of twenty-three kilometers wide. Yeah. Right. In e- at each of those spots on that sphere, it'll be a lot less than the spots as if you were close to it. Yeah, sure. Right. But it's not just a little bit less. It's an inverse square. It's, less. it's an inverse square less. So it's actually a lot, lot like less. Like the opposite of magnitude. Um, don't, you don't have to answer that. That was probably not a good. So twice as far away yeah. reduces the impact of the power from it by four times. Okay. So it's not just a linear. What's called a linear relationship. If yeah. you go twice as far away, it's further than that. It's not quite. It's not exponential. It's a. It's a power. I'm just saying words. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, so that's why that's so why we got square some... weaker each time you go out. Uh, sure. <laughs> So one of the one of the oh sorry was that me? <laughs> I think it was fear. It was okay. Um, so the now where what was I saying? So the now why does it explode with so much force? Well, the Chelyabinsk asteroid was um, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, but that so my point about it not being that far away. So even though it did get a lot less, an inverse square less, you know. Yeah, 23 kilometres. Now, okay, but so you still may say it's 20 to 30 I'm just times. saying, if you'd had a small alteration in the in where it hit, and it had hit 23 kilometres differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, times. totally. Well, the, the, the previous one that was as big was also in Russia. Now, Russia, Russia's a big country, yeah. so um, odds are that you know more asteroids are going to hit there. The, the previous biggest one was uh, 1908. Right. Now, that was the Tunguska uh, event. Right. Um, and that flattened uh, several thousand kilometers square of wow. um, Siberia. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that. 
now it hit um very um it, that, that that actually hit much closer yeah um but as i understand it, it was a slightly smaller size uh sorry slightly bigger size sorry right. so um, it's this one though this chintz one chelybinsk one had I have hit. no idea whether that's right either. I just guessing. If it. it had hit us full on instead of twenty kilometers away, yeah, what you're would in that, tru- Yeah, you're in trouble. What would the Earth? What would have happened to the Earth? Oh, to so the Earth. I'm not sure. It wasn't an extinction event. So asteroids are um, judged on what's called a Torino scale. Yeah. And the Torino scale takes into a, uh, into account the risk of something hitting. Yeah. But also the effects. What it what will happen if it does yeah so it's kind of like a you know which is all, all risk is about that risk yeah. is always about the odds of it happening and the seriousness of what hap- yeah. of what would yeah. might happen mm-hmm. and so the torino scale is on that now the uh Chelyabinsk, the thing that was scary about the Chelyabinsk thing was that nobody knew it was coming yeah right yeah now so nasa regularly well they think they've got about 95 percent or or higher i think this might be even higher now of asteroids that are above a kilometer Right. In diameter. Now, those sorts of asteroids are sort of... They could be extinction-creating events if they hit. And we know all of those out there, and we know they're not going to hit us in the next 100 years right. or so. There are some that are going to get close uh, close to us, and so we're keeping an eye on them. But they're the ones that we know. Yeah. See, the ones that we know are the ones that are typically close. Uh, so there tend to be asteroids in the asteroid belt yeah. or any of the four main groups. So asteroids are usually classified by the orbit at which they're doing around the sun mm-hmm. and so um they're all there's four main groups that are in different uh, orbits in uh in around the sun and um some of them are inside our orbit with the sun some of them are outside and so if they get perturbations from other planets in a certain way so the gravitational field of uh jupiter say perturbs it in a slight direction it might knock them slightly out of orbit and and into the earth so um, that's what they've been looking at. But if you're, uh, the solar system is made up of a lot of other bodies out there. So a lot of other um, asteroids, comets that are further out and very, very hard to see. Yeah. One of the things about asteroids is they're very, very dark. They've right. got a very, very low albedo. They don't reflect a lot of light, what's called albedo. Mm-hmm. So albedo is the, is the fraction of light that's uh, reflected. And a lot of asteroids have a, an albedo of around, you know, nearly zero. Right. And so they're very, very difficult to see. So what you try, tend to try and do is pick them up with infrared because right. they're still quite, they Hot. still pick up light and they absorb it. Yes. And so they're slightly warmer against the, the background space, which is cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're quite hard to see. And, it, you know, the ones that are further out are really hard to see. Yeah. And so they're the ones that people are really worried about. Anyway, back to the Chelyabinskin. The one that, that, that's smaller than the kilometer. I think that, I believe that was around uh, smaller than a kilometer. Yeah. Um, so that was at the, at the order of 100 me- uh, 60 meters or so, I think. Um, and so uh, that was hard to pick up because it was so small. But it's still huge amounts of damage, you know? I mean, yeah. and the reason is because these these asteroids are typically traveling very, very fast. Yes. They're traveling, I mean, um, Chelyabinsk asteroid was traveling at around uh, 18 uh, kilometers per second. So we didn't pick it up because it was smaller than the ones we're monitoring. Yeah. And, and we don't, I mean, we're trying to, so NASA are trying to push that threshold of a kilometer down and right. down and down so What's that they can them? pick up more. Well, you know, it's difficulty right. in terms of just picking up things that are small yeah. and dark, but it's also, um, you know, it's time, it's, yeah. it's effort, it's, it's money, resource. it's resource. But one of the interesting things was about the um, Chelyabinsk thing was because it did take everybody by surprise, everybody thought, oh no, 
Yeah. We've got to do something about this. Yeah, right. And so recently there's been a whole bunch of new extra sort of focus. extra focus on it. Um, they've uh, NASA's um, rebooted a satellite that they current they previously let go dead. Yeah. Uh, called the Y satellite. So this was an infrared survey ex- explorer satellite. Um, just before they let go dead. Now this was actually looking at the. Um, uh, objects outside the solar system before mm. and they'd uh, tested it out trying to find asteroids and found that they could do it um, so they did it for a little while for asteroids and then they um, let it go dark because they ran out of the coolant which allows the infrared detectors to detect infrared that's a that's a long story we're going to talk about that some other time probably um, but basically um, NASA are going ahead and um, rebooting, rebooting things boy. looking at stuff and you know putting a lot more effort into looking at asteroids okay so basically the upshot is so what, why was this in the news this week? Oh, just because the uh, report was out on the Chelyabinsk asteroid. Right. Now, the other asteroid news that came out this week uh, was an object which nobody had ever seen before. It was an asteroid that seemed to have lots of tails, lots of dust coming off it. So like, right. almost, like a, almost like a star or whatever. So, right. you know, uh, comets have a, this tail, which is usually pointed away from the sun because the solar radiation is pushing the, 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 the debris of the comet away from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas asteroids don't tend to have this, not, they don't tend to be as watery, icy. Yeah. Um, now, this asteroid was quite, kind of, people were amused by this because they'd never seen an asteroid do this before. And so one of the theories is that this asteroid might be being started to spin by um, like a solar, solar wind. Right. Um, and like a spin bowler. Yeah, and because it's spinning and small, you know what you what you get if you spin things too fast, they fly apart. Yes. So the torque that's being applied by that spinning, yeah, uh, is overcoming the gravitational attraction of the parts inside the centrifugal or centrifugal. Centri- centripetal. Centripetal. Yeah, and it's, so it's pushing this uh, outwards, mm-hmm. and so you, the idea is that we're getting these dust plumes coming mm-hmm. from the surface. Right. Uh, and it changes quite regularly, and so every time they take a picture, it looks different. So okay. that's the idea. That might be that. While we're talking about asteroids, mm. um, because we were sort of referring to the dinosaurs, oh, of yeah. course, obviously, the, one of the main theories about how the dinosaurs. Yeah, died I mean, it's out. been more or less accepted now. Oh, okay, it's not just. Uh, about yeah, so there were, I mean, there were quite a few uh, theories, um, but this one is sort of. Uh, Numero uno. Numero uno now. You know, before it was uh, still fairly unknown. And it wasn't until quite recently, I believe, that they actually decided that... And so what is the theory in summary? Oh, so the theory in summary is that when you undergo these huge collisions... Yeah, so so a big asteroid. A really big asteroid. um, When you look at the collision, uh, what it just... It throws up a whole lot of material called ejecta. uh, From the Earth. From the Earth. Right. Now, it's going so fast... Because of the impact of it. Because of the impact. Right. Now, because it's going so fast, um, it hits the Earth with so much force, so much kinetic energy, that even small asteroids can have big effects, as we saw in the Chelyabinsk. I mean, right. 60 metres across, that's yeah. not that big. No. Um, the dinosaur... The, 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 the asteroid that killed the dinosaur was in the order of several kilometres. Right. So... Where do they think it hit? Um, so one of the uh, ideas is that it's the Mexico crater. Uh-huh. So there's a crater in Mexico that's yeah. actually um, part, a lot of it's underwater. Yeah. But they've used what's called bathymetry, so um, underwater mapping, mm-hmm. to look at the crater, and they think they might have hit there. Now what happens in those situations is um, these asteroids, huge asteroid hits, 
and it's a lot like a super super volcano type event yeah. in terms of the ejector and force that comes off. Ah. And so what happens is so you basically get volcanoes everywhere. No, no, oh. no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. No, it's it's like it in terms of the amount of debris that's sent up into the atmosphere. Right. Yeah. So the asteroid hits huge volumes yeah. of debris, of particulates, aerosols again, uh, you know? Those guys. Those guys get sent up into the atmosphere and can get uh, taken right up into the very tops of the atmosphere uh, and are distributed around the planet. Right. Because they've got still got the wind column. Now, the wind, the, the high-level winds. Now, if you... Um, it takes a long time for these fine particulates to come back down again and um, the hypothesis is because we haven't had an event that we can actually observe this but the things it seems reasonable that by the amounts of ejector that would be sent that would be uh, sent up into the atmosphere that this cuts off what sunlight cuts sun? yeah ice age uh, well it just stops plant life stops from growing plant life. it's not going to change climates on that scale oh okay um, because but it just stops food there's an awful lot of inertia in the climate still. So it would get really dark, and so then nothing would grow. It would get really dark, nothing would grow, none of the Everyone animals starves. could survive. Yeah. Unless they start eating other animals. Yeah. Well, and the other animals start dying as well. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. so the animals that seemed to survive were of the smaller sort of mammalian type, uh, maybe more adaptation. Um, yeah. There are other theories out there, but um, we'd have to talk about that some other time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Asteroids. Yeah, asteroids. Well, so hopefully you found that interesting this yeah, week. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. Science, eh? Yeah. Oh, there's so much more we could talk about asteroids, but... They're good. Uh, we should talk about them again. You really like asteroids? I okay. like them. Yeah, we could, yeah, we could totally talk. Do you know about the NASA plan to bring an asteroid close to Earth? No. Bring one? Yeah. Why would we do that? Isn't that... <laughs> it's not that scary, I promise. Why would they do that? And how would they do that? Okay. Uh, well, if everybody's got another 10 minutes out there, we can talk about it now. Or maybe we could talk about next it next time. time. Let's do it okay. next time. Well, let's do it next time. Then. All right. All right. Science. We'll see you next week. Whisperer. Science. Whisperer. <laughs> okay, so you've got to go. Okay. Science. Whisperer. Science. Whisperer. Science. Whisperer. Science. Whisperer. Nailed it. Great. <laughs>